Opinions and ideas expressed in the following Moraine Valley Broadcast Channel recording are those of its creators and do not represent the views of Moraine Valley Community College. This is the Happy Hour Podcast, and today we have Dan, Syed, Isaiah Perez, and I, Patrick. And uh, and on this Happy Hour Podcast, we're going to be talking about the discourse on obesity, and that includes the academic, political, popular, and food industry, how it manipulates it. But first of all, discourse is the general discussion and debate of a certain subject, including all of the things I had just listed, and how that plays into it. But first, with academic, Syed? Uh, academic discourse, it involves how we alter our communication when engaged in academic discussions. Some examples of academic communications are textbooks, lectures, and presentations. Anyone else? Um, academic discourse tends to be um, from a refu- reputable source, um, tends to be from institutions, um, usually pretty trustworthy sources so like a source of academic discourse could be like researchers doing research on the rates of obesity increasing through different areas whether it be through the united states or not and that how they can accurately identify when they see those cues that the obesity is going to increase in that area okay is that is that about all we have yeah it's pretty straightforward. Mm. Just because academic discourse is usually mo- the most straightforward thing on this topic, you can't really deny not, the facts that's yep. being presented. There's not just, really an incentive to change anything that's being presented. Right, as I think mm. was the point of writing our first essay was to show us how straightforward all this information is and how it should be taken. Yeah, there's n- re- there's really no other way to interpret the facts than just this is what it is, this is what's happening. And you can't really argue with it because those are the facts that are being presented. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then I guess off to the political side of this is uh, I wanted to start off with uh, something from the article. And it says that, a quote from David Kressler, it says, When we launched our investigation of tobacco, the Food and Drug Administration, we had no idea of the power wielded by the tobacco companies, but we soon learned why the tobacco industry was for decades considered untouchable. Tobacco employed some of the most prestigious law firms in the country and commanded the allegiance of a significant section of the pro- Congress. So this goes to show, because it also said Food and Drug Administration, not only shows how tobacco wants, but how food industry now has like such a say in our political world. Um a small display of power. It's not necessarily related to the obesity crisis, but in 2015, food lobby groups spent about $101 million to avert the GMO label on food. So that being an example, they have a substantial amount of influence, power, and resources at their disposal. Right. I'd also read they uh, tried to make it so that they could increase the number of calories a human should have in a day just so that you could buy more food and they could sell more yeah that like comes with like the lobbyist part like they have these groups that are just being made 
<clears throat> to influence the political aspect because say a congressman they're going to do what their constituents want and they're going to do where the money funding their campaign is coming from what they want to, to be done so if these big food industry companies are trying to portray their ideas of what they want to be right opposed to what actually is right then through the political scheme they're going to be getting their bills passed and their agenda passed through regardless of whether it's the most right thing or not because I mean, they have the influence on it i mean all these uh big people they don't care about people uh all they care about is how to make the big money yeah mm. yeah um, in uh, 2015 again um the uh usda which takes the dgac's guidelines to make um the dietary guidelines for this country um the usda is what releases the dietary guidelines but they're supposed to be taking the recommendations and the guidelines from the dcas dgac but like isaiah was saying they have ties to many organizations there's a a small list you can find at ap uh i h i s uh dot usda dot gov that lists all of their major stakeholders that's not limited to state livestock commissions um food marketing institutes uh just a hundred different organizations that are designed to get mm -hmm. a certain type of food out into the market right i think are we good on that one yep yep all right and then off to popular discourse about obesity we'd been shown the one video with nicole arbor yeah nicole arbor the dear fat people video mm -hmm. which that really gives you insight on the what the everyday person thinks about obesity which is really interesting because in that video it gives you a very contradictory point of view in which she feels like obesity is like a self like reflecting thing and like you're either like doing it because you're lazy or this or that and it also you have that thing where you feel as though being fat and like doing that to upon yourself gives you this like special like treatment aspect when in reality if you like take a second to walk down the street you realize that people who are obese don't get any special treatment whatsoever there are the kids at school who are being bullied or like the people who are like living their everyday lives ashamed of what they are and like how they're like what they become so knowing that people think that they're getting that special treatment just kind of isn't true and it's a very like contradictory like point of view from what's like actually out there i mean she also said like that fa uh, fat shaming is not a thing fat people made made that up race card with no race which clearly makes no sense yeah um, Dan? and another interesting thing about nicole arbor um in an interview with refinery29.com which is a female geared entertainment and fashion site okay um Nicole Arbor was quoted as saying, I made a marketing plan behind it the same way that anyone makes marketing plans out of anything. So I kind of loaded the bases like baseball. In which she admitted there was a pre-planned marketing strategy to what she said. Now, what I find interesting about this is that it doesn't necessarily refute her points by it saying, oh, well, it was just a pre-planned marketing exercise by a YouTuber. What was interesting was it actually banked on the stigma of people. 
and it was viewed it over nine million times before it was taken mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. It had such popularity that a mirror version of it was put back up on YouTube and it has been viewed over five hundred thousand times. And it's a and it's a sign that there's this stigma amongst people that someone could pre plan a marketing strategy around a video like this and be able to bank on people having that stigma and it proved it right. There's people that believe that. A lot yeah, of them. the views yeah. definitely indicate how many people sort of subscribe to this way of thought and then indicate um, how people go about doing research this way. Do, do they just watch videos on YouTube and, and then not to mention how uh, yeah, the things just, we hear are manipulated and etc. Yeah, they just watch a video and boom, fact, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Like They don't like do anything further. It's just cut and dry. Yeah. Alright, and then off to food industry. We have... It's, uh, so the food industry, just like the tobacco industry I had brought up earlier, is that it's, scheme- it's schemed in the same way the tobacco industry did, but it's entirely more complex given that the tobacco had maybe a handful of heavy companies, but food has many different systems and many different says and people in within Congress and whatnot. Yeah, the very like prevalent thing with the food industry is how they create this sense of facts that aren't like really facts they're just facts that they want to have the outcome of so they'll hire fake people to I wouldn't I mean the food industry is trying to show people that uh, they are not the problem of obesity people themselves are the cause of obesity which which is creating the stigma among the obese people yeah they're they're more of just creating like a false sense of security with food they're creating they're trying to make food seem like a more popular activity and a more like punctual thing you can do more than like it's, the health benefits of it they want it more mm, recreational it's a double pronged attack it's creating the energy balance network while then aggressively marketing uh food and all types of sugary food to children so you um way to the nation the documentary that we watched uh, from hbo um, listed some facts that children between ages 2 to 17 see uh, 12 to 21 commercials for food a day and 4,400 to 7,600 a year. So they're doing what you guys are saying, and then on the other side, they're aggressively marketing it to children. Yeah, and that's, mm-hmm. just, that's just insane. And they also mentioned in that show that uh, the way kids are see- uh, hearing the commercials, it actually forms them from a very early age. It's all part of the marketing scheme. I mean, there are so many stereotypes with obesity, too, that the, uh, the obese people are struggling with, like being lazy and successful and unintelligent. Yeah. And I, and I think what you're getting to is that, and everyone's getting to, is that the way the food industry manipulates all of the discourse on the obesity crisis really sort of blurs everything you hear and see, and you really have to delve mm-hmm. through. You have to take a full course, as we were doing, to really figure it out. But it looks like the studio is making us quit. Running out of time here, so catch you guys later. It's Pat. Alright. Dan. Sayat. Alright, that's it. Alright, peace out. Peace out.